You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block Ripping up fantasy stock Working around the clock Look at the view from the top Researching rookies a lot No, I just be listening to pods Yeah, one in particular I'm just a messenger Let me just pass on the rock Browning, brunning, bruning Pronouncing ain't what he's doing What he's doing is not losing But infusing you with new things And there's Dennis the Bennett Yeah the man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Slice a fox, culture didn't pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare them at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Yeah. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Woo. Fantasy round what is going on everybody and welcome to another episode of the fantasy football roundtable podcast it is monday october 4th and we are almost through week four of the nfl season we've almost made it a quarter of the way through it is crazy to say that considering it feels like just yesterday we were talking about how excited we were to see the cowboys playing the buccaneers on thursday night got matt and dennis here with me we are going to recap everything from the sunday nfl slate gentlemen how are we doing on this beautiful monday well football season is starting to hit ohio it's gray it's cool kind of rainy uh you know it was pretty cool to uh take the young one to the homecoming game on friday uh, that's why i ducked out early he wanted to go to the homecoming game and uh our school is was two and four on the year playing another rival school here from our suburb that was five and one and we beat them 24 to 17 so that was that was pretty sweet. Love me some high school football. Well, here, you know, I I apologize for not being here Friday. I got called to uh, work, which was an exciting putting in a uh, eight hour day starting at one p.m. Um, but we decided uh, our lives weren't complicated enough, so my wife and I are doing a home renovation project where they replace the flooring housewide, do the interior painting housewide and do the bathroom, which sounds great until you remember that you have to pack everything you own, put it somewhere else, and then later we'll have to put it back. Um, so it's like the joy of moving. 
um, which was really came home to me yesterday when I was after eight hours of work in the morning, I came home and I was like, well, I guess I get a quick lunch during which time my wife graciously let us watch Lego masters instead of any of the football game. And then had to go to cleaning my stuff out. Well, you know, hey, it's not like you missed a great game, right? I mean, it was, it was not, it was actually pretty, you know, unfortunately they did lose, but it was, it was a pretty good yeah. game. I actually quite enjoyed it. Um, before we jump in and talk about the week four games, we do want to recognize that we are a part of the Pigskin Podcast Network. You can find them at PigskinPodNet on Twitter, or you can search the hashtag TPPN. We tag, uh, we tag them when we go live. So does everybody else. Again, a ton of great podcasts, a part of that network. We are thrilled to be a part of that. Dennis, if you need help from a Hall of Famer, if you don't trust the three of us, which I think you like equated, if you add all three of us together, we're close to a Hall of Famer, I think. But if you want a Hall of Famer's advice, what's one way that you can get it? Well, you can get the tools that help Bob Harris reach the Fantasy Football Hall of Fame. Uh, FootballDieHard.com Flash Update Pro, a full suite of tools to make you a better fantasy manager. For the rest of the season, you can get rankings, configurable cheat sheets, mock drafts, consistency tools, target distribution, snap count, so much more. Uh, go to footballdiehards.com, click the Flash Update Pro, use our code ROUNDTABLE, all one word, ROUNDTABLE, to get a fit additional 15% off the already low price of $24. Looking at my scores from yesterday, I think I'm more qualified for the Hall of Shame. <laughs> all right, let's talk about week four of the NFL slate from Sunday. All right, we are going to start with the Washington football team beating the Atlanta Falcons 34-30. It was a huge game for Terry McLaurin and Matt, but are we worried about the Washington defense? I think so. Atlanta has looked uh, pretty poor all season long, and they looked uh, pretty incredible for a lot of yesterday's game. I've been pleasantly surprised with how well uh, Taylor Heineke is doing. Uh, I think he's keeping them in there. They have some good skill position players, but Washington's formula that made them successful last year was having a pretty solid defense. And for all those people who play in uh, leagues with defenses that went and picked up the Washington football team, which were expected to be a top five defense, this has got to be a pretty big blow. I think they've given negative points three times so far this year. Yeah, I have uh, Washington uh, – well, I don't have Washington's defense. I was eyeing Washington's defense in a couple redraft leagues and got sniped, and I was like, dang it. Well, I ended up – my consolation prize has been the Buffalo defense, so I, I feel like I'm doing okay in, in that regard. For whatever reason, man, Washington, they just can't seem to put it together on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, I expected there to be – you know, the, the Falcons are they're good at passing the ball. I, I get that Arthur Smith is a new head coach and they've got a new OC, but Matt Ryan and Calvin Ridley, you know, they, they can still get the ball downfield. Um, and so eventually something was going to happen. Uh, I just uh, I don't know. I guess I felt like Washington still had a chance to turn that defense around, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. 
Yeah, unfortunately, good thing they have Terry McLaurin on the offensive side of the ball, who's just scoring uh, dozens and dozens of points for him to uh, help them win these games. We've talked about Cordero Patterson for the past couple weeks, Dennis. I mean, he seems to be the go-to guy for the Atlanta Falcons offense. Are we buying this? Or are we selling high on what Patterson has done the past couple weeks? Well, in Dynasty, I'm definitely selling high. But, I mean, gosh, he's he only played 30% of the snaps. And he's being super efficient. And I know we keep saying he's got to come down to earth. And I feel like he does. I mean, Davis played 67% of the snaps. I, I think that, I mean... Who was it? Was it uh, John Hanson this morning, or I, I think it was, or Paul Kelly was talking about that if you, at the beginning of the year, if you were told, hey, I'm going to guarantee your running back is going to get beyond pace for 275 touches, would you have said, I want that guy? Yeah. Well, that guy is Mike Davis. So Davis is still getting the volume. It's going to come together for him. I think going in, we all knew Davis didn't have a super high ceiling, but he had a pretty consistent floor. I think he's like RB 20 or 24, somewhere in that range, which is about what he was being drafted at uh, in the preseason. So it's easy to get wrapped up in the flash and dash that is Cordero Patterson. Um but I feel like as soon as I stick Patterson in my lineup, you know, Mike Davis is going off for 120 and two touchdowns. Mike Davis is RB29. Um, we said, you know, we wondered Arthur Smith obviously came from the Titans. There he had Derrick Henry, top back. Was he going to create another high-scoring fantasy back? And he definitely has. Uh, right now, the Atlanta Fal- Falcons, through four weeks, have the number two scoring fantasy running back in PPR. And it's, unfortunately, Cordero Patterson. You know, Matthew Berry's called breakout from like half a decade ago. Just he was, you know, he was just ahead of his time. Uh, Patterson has looked like a totally bankable player week to week. I don't think he stays up around running back too. That's preposterous. He has five touchdowns. He's running. He's getting passing work. I know he's not playing a huge portion of the snaps, but he seems to be a good fit for that offense. Um, Better fit than, you know, what our hopes for Kyle Pitts or even our hopes for Calvin Ridley or uh, our hopes for Mike Davis. Maybe that shakes out a little bit differently season long, but right now he looks like a bankable startable player. Yeah, I think in Dynasty, I'm with Dennis. I'd probably sell high on him in redraft. I don't think this is going away anytime soon. So I I don't know why you'd move him. Again, you probably got him if you drafted him, which I think is very, very doubtful. You got him off the waiver wire, likely after week one or two. He's been incredible. I believe he's RB. If he's got the RB designation, which I'm pretty sure he does on almost every site, he's RB5 or something like that on the season right now. Like he's. Ben incre- two. Sorry, yeah, RB2. He's literally RB2. Yeah. yeah. So e- even better. Like, I, I don't know why you'd move on from him right now. I think you've got to keep playing him because he could quite literally be a league winner for you. So I, I think in a redraft league, I'm holding on to him. There's no way I'm moving him right now unless you just get like an absolute steal of a deal. And then I'm keeping 
Dynasty, man, and even in Dynasty, I think if you're a win-now team, I actually think I might just hold on to them and keep riding the wave and, and trying to win that championship this year. And if it ends up going away after next year, again, you probably in a Dynasty league have probably just held on to Gordon Daryl Patterson since he was a wide receiver for the Bears, Vikings, whomever else he's been a wide receiver for at this point. I don't even remember anymore. You've probably just held on to him, and now he's ended up producing for you. It's it, It's been insane to watch this happen. Uh, next up, the Bills shut out the Texans 42-0. The Texans just really aren't a good team, even with Davis Mills. But, Dennis, we're really not worried about Brandon Cooks, right? I mean, he's still got 30% of the uh, – targets yesterday while it was a bad game you mentioned you've got the bills fantasy defense they are a really good defense in real life as well better days are to come for brandon cooks yeah i think you know brandon cooks is gonna be the one guy who's gonna get fed targets uh he's gonna get yardage that team is gonna struggle to score as long as you know unless there's some miraculous turnaround with davis mills or tyrod taylor comes back or, you know, Jeff Driscoll comes in and lights it up. I mean, I've seen Jeff Driscoll. That's never happened. <laughs> the, I mean, the Texans are basically my DQL team. Um, you know, my, the official, the official dynasty questions league team. Like, I think I was outscored like something like 130 to 65 this week. Uh, I'm in a rebuild. I'm acquiring future first round picks. I'm trying to move any of my assets I can to get more picks and 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 figure out where I can uh, you know build my team. It, it's a multi-year rebuild. I think the Texans know it's a multi-year rebuild. Unfortunately for David Cully, when they get done rebuilding it, somebody else will be the head coach, which Kind of stinks for him, but uh, here and there, and maybe he starts to put together some low-end consistency, but the team in general is going to struggle. They're not really – they're trying to put guys out there that will compete, but they're going to be out-talented virtually everywhere except Brandon Cooks. Yeah, I mean, you're still starting Cooks, but his range of outcomes is now wide receiver one to wide receiver 10. I mean, based on for a while there, he had three catches for 18 yards and it didn't look like they were going to be able to move the ball. He ends up getting a couple, so he gets you 9.7 points some weeks, so we'll get it into the end zone. The one thing I will say is I, I know it's trendy to think David Culley will be gone, but I, I feel like they've played with heart. Uh, and yeah. I've been impressed with his his coaching job and Dan Campbell. Uh, yesterday they weren't great, but you know those two guys were not. We did not expect those teams to be good. We thought they would suck, and they are at least fighting. The Texans have been fighting. They've been trying hard. Yeah, I, I said this last week with the way the Texans have played. I don't know that David Culley is going to be gone. If uh, we knew that this team was going to be bad, I don't think anybody in the Texans front office thought bringing in David Culley was going to be like, oh, yeah, we're going to have a good team. He should win a couple games. And they almost, they've been in every single game this season except for this one against the Bills. They, they clearly like playing for him. You can see it when they go over to the sideline. I, I don't necessarily think that he'll be gone. Um, once that they start to rebuild this team, maybe, but and I honestly hope he gets a shot to at least see what he can do with a good team. Again, that's probably at least two to three years down the road. We'll see what happens. 
On the Bills side here, Matt, I mean, they put up 40 straight, second straight game with 40 points. This offense is rounding into shape. We know we're playing the main guys. The question I want to ask you, it's now third week in a row. Our guy Dawson Knox has looked yep. really good. And Zach Moss looked good in this game as well. Have they moved themselves into starting positions in your uh, fantasy lineups? Yeah, so Moss is the guy I thought was going to be good preseason. Then we had that weird healthy scratch. Was he actually healthy? I'm starting to wonder that. Or did he do something and got a covert disciplinary suspension? Because the way they've used him since that week suggests that something was going on there. Dawson Knox, you know, I do the Dynasty Stock Watch for Campus to Canton that comes out on Tuesdays. He was my stock up tight end. He's tight end five on the season. He has four touchdowns including two that he caught yesterday. He looks to be a part of their offense. We'd seen flashes in his previous two years. It sometimes takes young tight ends a little while to find their groove. He seems to have a good rapport with Josh Allen, and he's getting goal line looks, which is all you can hope for at the variable position of tight end. You know, I I like Knox coming on, and and it's really a lesson. You know, we've gotten into this microwave society, even in fantasy, we're all looking for rookie breakouts. And and Knox has kind of shown that, uh, you know, don't lose your cool with your tight ends. If you're a Kyle Pitts owner, uh, you know, just relax. It's still year one. My my only concern. Not true. If you're panicking in a league with me, I'd be happy to take him off your hands. He's going to suck. He's going to suck, guys. I'm just letting you know. I, I'm, I have concerns about Moss and game script. Like this was a very positive game script and he outsnapped Singletary 56 to 44, but Singletary had um, the same amount of carries and the same amount of targets and Singletary actually had 18 more yards. The only thing that saved Moss was the touchdown. And so I feel like if there's a situation where, you know, it's not a 40-point blowout. Singletary is showing that he, you know, this, there's still some uncertainty in this backfield. Singletary's playing really, really well, so. Yeah, I I mean, Knox is in my lineups regardless. You know, it's really frustrating because I picked him up in one of my big money leagues uh, because he was, for some reason, available on the waiver wire and I meant to play him for George Kittle because I thought Kittle was going to be out, and I never made that switch, which is just very frustrating because obviously he put up 20 points. Uh, but at this point, I don't think Knox is going to be widely available. We'll obviously talk about that tomorrow on our waiver Wire show, but at this point, I think last week when we talked about this on Monday, he was still at like 5.5% rostered. There's no way that that's happening. If he's still there, He's going to be picked up massively, I think, this week with how good he's been. Moss, I want to give it another week. I mean, we did talk a lot about this offseason. We thought he was going to be the guy for the Buffalo Bills in that running back backfield. But I agree with what Dennis was saying. It's still – even though Moss may be getting more carries, it's still very evenly split. I want to see him do more before I'm willing to put him in my lineup, unless we're talking about, like, deep flex plays. Justin Fields – Leads the Bears to a 24-14 win over the Detroit Lions. It was a tough game for your Lions, Dennis. Second down game for Hawkinson here. Is it a cause for concern? And are we believing in Khalif Raymond, who has now had two good games? 
Well, well, believe me, Khalif Raymond, uh, long enough for him to disappoint us in our flex spots. Um, now, R Raymond got behind the defense on that one touchdown, and it was really a uh, probably a little bit fluky. I, I don't know that on you know three receptions for forty six yards. He, You can't really count on those two times. St. Brown or Cephas, who are getting uh, more targets, catching more balls. Though Raymond, I guess, out-targeted out, uh, Cephas by one. Hawkinson had eight targets. He just only converted four of them. Um, you know, it was – you've, you've got to stick with him. He's going to be – he's still top ten. Um, where did he finish this week? Uh, not in the top 10. He's tight end 17 this week. So with it, Waller it, and uh, a couple other guys still. Yeah. There. So, I mean, CJ who's almost tight end one this week. So it, you know, there's some variability there. The lions, um, you know, I thought they would have played better. I think I, I actually picked the lions to win the game. Um, but fields look good, and you know they they made plays. It was interesting that all of a sudden Bill Lazor starts calling plays, and what do you know? We've got a co cohesive game plan that suits the quarterback skill set. Um, but no, I still believe in Hawkinson. I I think Hawkinson is going to be just fine. And uh, you know Raymond, you know, we play in a lot of deep leagues. Raymond is going to find our lineups here and there. Uh, you know, for me, I think if you sit down. Hit me up on Sunday mornings on the uh, on Facebook on the uh, Dynasty Nerds chat uh, when we're doing start sits. I'll I'll tell you whether I think you should start or sit Raymond, uh, depending on who who your who your other options are. Because I think really he's one of those guys that it comes down to who are your other options. Look at Dennis, so optimistic that Facebook's ever going to come back after its global outage. Uh, you know. It turns out Matt Nagy must want to keep his job, I guess. That's <laughs> no why, shit, right? <laughs> uh, he, he's more invested in being the Bears coach than we realize. We can't tell week to week which Lions receiver is going to uh, be the guy. You know what? Defenses can't either. But they do know that TJ Hawkinson is their best receiver. And I think you're seeing that's a place where they know they have to put coverage. And so it's going to be uh, a matter of sometimes he's going to have – you know, hit a couple big plays and hit a touchdown. Sometimes I think you're going to roll the dice and, and it's not going to turn out that good. I think he, he's still going to, for me, remain a top five, six ranked tight end just because of the potential there. But there's, you know, the Lions offense is a work in progress to say the least. And I'm sure for defenses, they're like, is it Quintez Cephas? Is it Oman Ross St. Brown? Is it Khalif Raymond? Is it some guy we've never heard of that they signed? One of those receivers is going to hit every week. Good luck picking which. I'm not going to lie. I, I liked Amon Ra had a pretty good game. I'm hoping that that continues. I mean, 70 yards, I think it was like 10 catches. was looking pretty good. I was watching some of that game. I hope that that continues to trend upward. He's obviously he a guy that I really like. Six for 70. Six for seven. Okay. Well, and they, well they said Goff. I mean, there was a couple of highlights. I was watching um, NFL primetime and um, Booger McFarlane, not my favorite analyst, but he uh, threw, he, he 
drove the bus over Jared Goff and then backed up over him and then ran him over again on a couple of targets for Amon Ra St. Brown, basically saying if you're a professional quarterback, you have to hit a receiver that's open like this. Well, I guess, you know, we'll see. Booger McFarlane don't necessarily always trust his football analysis either. So, uh, yeah, Hawkinson, not worried about it. Like I said, Amon Ra, I want to see that trend upwards. Justin Fields, though, looked better. David Montgomery, though, went down holding his knee. They have not said yet that I have seen what the actual injury was, but that they seems that he missed tearing his ACL. So that's good. He personally tweeted, God is good, which I took to be an optimistic sign. I saw I don't follow David Montgomery, but somebody was kind enough to retweet retweet it. And as somebody who has plenty of shares, it made me feel better. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it looks like he missed a serious injury as in like he won't be out the whole season, but we don't know that he'll be ready this week. Damian Williams also got hurt in this game. So we could be looking at like the Khalil Herbert breakout game, baby. I'm excited because I love Khalil Herbert coming out. Uh, but fields look better. Do you think, I mean, we, we, I feel like I know where the answer to this question is going to go. I think it's going to be Fields. You guys mentioned Matt Nagy all of a sudden seems like he actually wants to be the head coach of the Chicago Bears now moving forward. Do they go back to Dalton after the game that Fields had this past week? So if Dalton would have been healthy um, this week, I think he would have played because last week you didn't see, you didn't see enough from Fields to be like, oh, they definitely, it's time to make the switch. And their line looked terrible, and he looked terrible behind him. Changing the play calling was good. Uh, We've consistently seen when Bill Lazor or somebody else, anybody else for Chicago is calling the plays, they remember that the running game is important. The running game is a friend to a young quarterback. Uh, I thought fields looked better. The whole Chicago offense looked better. I am of the opinion that it would probably be the best thing to just make make a move and look toward the future. Yeah, I think that that would be the best move. But even as good as Fields looked, I mean, they only threw the ball 17 times. He completed 11 passes. Now, he was getting the ball downfield, and they were making some uh, big plays. So I want to see him, you know, get into the playbook and make some things happen. But if – us to to let Dalton start. All right. The Cowboys beat the Panthers 36 to 28. What was a very interesting game. We talked a lot about this on Friday that we thought this would be the test for the Panthers. They came up a little bit short in this one, Matt, and it was a tough game for them. But how do you feel about Sam Darnold? I mean, he clearly was the running back you should have picked up when CMC went down with all the rushing touchdowns he's getting. But what do you think about him as a quarterback for fantasy? I mean, I didn't think he looked too bad. The turnovers didn't help, uh, but Trayvon Diggs has been doing it all season long. He's had an interception in every single game, including against uh, Hall of Famer Tom Brady there on opening day. So I thought Sam Darnold looked good. This offense we've noted over a couple of years is not the same when Christian McCaffrey's not there because defenses don't have to play the same and don't have to respect that kind of generational talent in the backfield. Their defense uh, wasn't able to shut the Cowboys down and wasn't able to hold them out, which put more pressure on the offense. I thought Darnold hung with them pretty well. You'd like to see him clean up the turnovers, but it was, you know, it was a tough game. I think he's, he looks like a good choice. 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just to, on the Cowboys interception thing, I believe they did not get five interceptions until December last season, yeah. and then Diggs has got five of them Already. through five weeks. It's or four weeks. I'm sorry, four yeah. weeks. It's it's been um he has been ama- he's got to be, I think, with Miles Garrett as like the front runner for defensive MVP or defensive player of the year right now. Yeah, I I don't have uh, any issues at all with the way Sam Darnold is playing. Um, I think he's looking – I mean, who, who knew Sam Darnold, dual-threat quarterback, right? Um, USC. Yeah, no I, kidding. Once – once you get away from Adam Gase, you realize that your limit does not exist. Like yeah. all of a sudden, there's right. a ceiling you just get to punch through. It's amazing. The Jets scouts knew Darnold was good. It's just the coaches. Didn't. Now the only so the only thing with Carolina that I was that threw me off was I expected Diggs to be on DJ Moore and DJ Moore to not have a good game, but. So I, I was like, oh, I was all about Robbie Anderson uh, this week, especially like in DFS, thinking, oh, Diggs, Diggs and, and Moore are going to get locked up. So Sam will go to his old buddy, Robbie. Uh, didn't quite work out that way, you know. What you going to do? I like Darnold. I, I think he's in a good situation. Um, you know, he's mobile enough that he's going to be able to keep himself in the, you know, QB one talk. I think as long as he continues to develop as a passer moving forward in this offense, um, you know, we'll see how, you know, is it going to be three years, five years, you know, what's the longevity out there? Will he be a shorter term quarterback or, you know, Carolina seems to believe, uh, in him, and they went ahead and went for it. So, I mean, I think as long as they've got Joe Brady, he's going to be just fine. Talked a lot about that last year with Teddy Bridgewater. He made Teddy Bridgewater look like a very good quarterback. Ended up realistically probably helping Teddy get that job in Denver, and now he looks like he's turned around Sam Darnold's career. And there's been a lot of talk that you know he might get a head coaching job this offseason. But a lot of people in the NFL know, have said, just listening to SiriusXM, that a lot of positions that he interviewed for last year, they just said he wasn't ready yet. So I don't know that Joe Brady will be leaving this offseason. So I'm, I'm all in on Sam Darnold continuing to have a, I, I a thought they only did that to Eric Bieniemy. Well, that's that's a different discussion for a different time. On the Cowboys side of things, uh, they clearly are a much better team in 2021. Who knew that Dak was the reason the Cowboys were good? Uh, but the defenses look good as well. But now that Dak is back and this running game has got going, I feel like it's much harder to predict what they're going to do at wide receiver, Dennis, especially with all of a sudden these tight ends scoring a crap ton of fantasy points every single week. Yeah, it's... You know, it's tough to get a two for 13 yard game from CD Lamb when uh, in Dynasty, a lot of people were moving him into top five Dynasty asset category. I don't necessarily think that that's a wrong move, just to put it out there. Uh, I, I like CD Lamb a lot. He's my favorite wide receiver coming out of uh, that class last year. But there are a lot of weapons on Dallas, and at some point, there's you know, they're, they're, you're going to run out of spoons when you've got Zeke and you've got Pollard and you've got uh, Schultz, Cooper, and who knows what's going to happen when Gallup gets back. Uh, 
it's going to be tough. I think you need to be able to just believe. Uh, I mean, it is what it is. CeeDee Lamb is going to get his uh, – he had five targets, which was second on the team behind Dalton Schultz. The big, big thing was Amari Cooper caught the long touchdown pass. So Cooper only had three targets. He caught all three of them. Uh, Dak only threw the ball 22 times. It was a Zeke Elliott game. 20 yards, 143, or 20 carries, 143 yards, 10 carries for Pollard. So in those in those situations, it, it really could end up being frustrating for fantasy managers. Yeah, I picked the Cowboys to go to the Super Bowl, so I'm going to accept it as long as they keep winning. Um, but find someone who loves you as much as Dak apparently loves Dalton Schultz. Those guys must have worked out some arrangement. Hey. I'm just happy Zeke's back. Dennis, everybody wants to win money. How can they win money in week five? This guy, I want to win money. So the Pigskin Podcast Network is partnered with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Uh, we have uh, has a week five. We have a week five offer for every football fan to jump on. New customers can bet just $1, uno dollar, uh, on any NFL game and win, where'd I go? And win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's right, if either team scores a point. Uh, the last 0-0 tie in the NFL was, do you know when? 1943, uh, during the big, during the Great War. So probably there were a lot of guys that would have been scoring points in the NFL uh, fighting the Great War. Anyways, uh, I'd say this is a no-brainer. If if Sportsbook isn't available uh, in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash, cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Go on there, make a deposit, Take your shot at a million dollars. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN and throw $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. The promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Uh, new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit, $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And there's a different number in, uh, Indiana, in Indiana, I believe. Oh, but it's not showing up. I think up it's deal with it. Yeah. Like... All right, so let's talk about the Colts beating the Miami Dolphins 27-17. Matt, the Colts finally used Jonathan Taylor. It's not going to happen next week, even though Frank Reich says, hey, he's a, like the rarest unicorn back of all time. He's probably the best running back I've ever seen in my life, paraphrasing a little bit there. But he's still, you know, for whatever reason, doesn't feed the guy the rock. But was it great to see him go off against a poor rush defense? 
Is it possible for Bill Lazor to also start calling the place for the Colts? I wish he would. Uh, it was good to see him go off some of my uh, fantasy teams where, uh, you know, I was all in on Jonathan Taylor, especially in those redraft drafts, scheming ways to pick him up. I thought he was going to have an amazing season. It's not been an amazing start, but yesterday uh, made me feel pretty good in my work league. I would have felt better if I was not also playing opposite Tyreek Hill. Um, who we'll get to a little bit later. But it, it's nice to see Taylor still only 16 carries. Um, you know, So he does get 100 yards, but they still gave 10 carries to Marlon Mack and two to Neheim Hines. Uh, so he's not getting a dominating percentage, which gives me pause. Yeah, I love Marlon Mack when he came out. But, man, 2.2 yards per carry coming off the Achilles. I know you – you gave him permission to seek a trade. Just let him go. Let him go be a free agent. Oh, they want to get something back for him. He's he's still a he's still a very good running back. But yeah, he's coming I, um, up with Achilles tear, he's not going to be a good running back. Just let him go. Let him. I, if I let him go, everybody should let him go. Well, I think that's one thing we've learned is that Frank Frank Reich is not of sound mind or body with the way he handles uh, shares, snaps, pretty much anything he does. So I don't think he's going to let it happen. I mean, obviously, I hope that Taylor continues to get the workload. We we finally saw him have a really good game. And Frank Reich came out today and praised him, talking about how rare of a running back he is. Hopefully, that means that he's finally realized, you know, after two years or really a year and a half, I guess, not at this point, that Jonathan Taylor is special and they should give him the ball more often. Dennis, can we even play? Like, should we even discuss Miles Gaskin anymore? Does he is he worth talking about? Is he worth playing? Man, I wish I knew because Gaskin was in that range with, you know, Mike Davis and, uh, Chase Edmonds, you know, in preseason and draft, I, I think, you know, it looked it, and then they came out week one and it looked like it was Gaskin's job. I don't know what's happened in Miami is Gaskin, you know, did, did he tell an off color joke? Uh, I mean, it's not, did he fart in a meeting? I don't, I don't know. Something has happened and, and now they just don't want to give him the ball. Uh, are they hiding an injury? And and it's crazy. I as much as I like Salvan Ahmed, I think that Gaskin is the better back. Uh, I don't like Malcolm Brown. I don't think you want given Malcolm Brown eight carries for twenty three yards. I don't know. Maybe it's just a function of they know that it's going to suck with. Jacoby Protector, if they're going to have Brissett dropping back 30 times. But, I mean, Gaskin, he was a decent receiving back in college, too, as well as rushing for a whole lot of yards. So, I don't know. I don't get it. I I, I don't get it. I, I don't trust Miles Gaskin going forward until I hear more about what's going on. Uh, I, I think that he's riding the pine. Yeah, two carries for three yards isn't going to get it done. He joins a proud tradition of uh, fantasy hopeful running backs that have been crushed by uh, Malcolm Brown usage now. Not a single target. That gives me a moment of pause. He's had 29 carries for 142 yards in four weeks. That's not good. He's only caught 13 passes for 57 yards. That's not great. No touchdowns. He's RB39 on the season. 
if you were relying on him to be your RV2, you should start looking elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, the only hope you can have is Tua might be back in two weeks. Uh, he was on the three-week IR, so I believe this is the third week going into week five. They said October 17th is when they're planning to start him again at home okay, against so the Jaguars. That's a perfect place to start him now that you say that. So that, I guess that's really your only hope is maybe Tua comes back, this offense gets going a little bit more because Jacoby Brissett just isn't it. No offense to Jacoby Brissett. Uh, so maybe that's your only hope for Gaskin. I'm with you. There's just no way you can start him right now. Maybe Malcolm Brown's still available. You probably have a better shot at getting points out of him than you do Miles Gaskin at this point. I don't know why this game has even made its way onto the sheet. I thought we were skipping this, but apparently we have to talk about it. You know, when Dennis it. was talking about the last game that was 0-0, I thought, you know, Cleveland and Minnesota tried to make a run at that. They really did. It was a very, very, very... Very, 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 very bad game. The Browns, though, do come out with a win, and that's all that matters, right, for football at least. Uh, they get the dub. It was an ugly win for Cleveland, Dennis. But let's be honest here. Aside from Chubb and Hunt, are we starting anybody from Cleveland? Um, waiting for Jarvis Landry to come back, I guess. I mean, Njoku got two targets, and – Caught both of them. Maybe he's coming on. I, I don't know. It seems to be a hot mess there. Uh, out of nowhere, Rashard Higgins with seven targets to lead the team, tied with OBJ. I, I'm probably not. I'm not more concerned with should I start somebody else, but what's it going to take for OBJ to get back to being a serviceable wide receiver? He caught two of seven targets. Um, now, I will say, uh, um, let me retract that. Baker was pretty wild uh, this weekend. He kind of, he was airmailing some of them. Pretty, pretty. I think at this point, OBJ is still their wide receiver one. And if you're going to start a Browns wide receiver right now, he's the one you're going to start. Because while other people may make a play here or there, he provides the most consistent threat and the most consistent opportunity to make a play. Yeah, I didn't see the game, and I, I didn't track a lot of it, but Matt, was Donovan Peoples-Jones injured? Or That's a good just, question. I he got zero know. targets, so I was like, oh, He's I been – I, you know, speaking of the people who may have said something about a coach's wife, he, he has not he been playing that much. This year. Of, he, he played 59% of the snaps on Sunday. Yeah, yeah he's just not getting targeted. And, but that's, it's been like whack a mole with the Browns a little yeah. bit. I thought, I thought I was starting to believe in Austin Hooper. He gets five targets, but only catches one ball. I'm still probably starting OBJ at least as a flex because he's getting a lot of targets. Last week he caught five for 77. This week, no luck. But it's it's definitely strange. I mean, Baker did miss Odell on two big plays. I'm not going to say Baker. On one big play. The other one, Odell did not get turned around in time. And then they Minnesota's um, – or the commentators were saying he may have lost it in the sun because of the way that the the sun comes through the the roof there, which it did look like he completely lost it. The other one did really seem like it was on Baker. I mean, Odell had his guy beat. He threw it behind Odell. Those two have always struggled with the chemistry thing. I'm still starting Odell. It was just a bad game. You know, I saw a lot of people crushing Baker Mayfield, saying he's not no better than Mac Jones and all this. I mean, 
the dude has been lights out for three weeks. It was a bad game. I mean, Aaron Rodgers had a shitty game week one. Nobody's saying that we're going to bench Aaron Rodgers for Mac Jones. Granted, I'm not trying to compare what Baker Mayfield has done in his career to what Aaron Rodgers has done, but let, let's calm down. It was just, it was a bad take game. That, Every, what? Take that Austin. Yeah. Yeah. Austin suck it. Everybody has a bad game. I, I don't think the, the Browns offense had Baker hit a couple of those big plays. It's a completely different day for him and the Browns offense. Sometimes you just have a bad game, and that's what I'm chalking this one up to. Matt, though, the Vikings offense falls off in a major way in this game. They were one of the better offenses to start off the year. Are we concerned? No, I mean, just like you talked about Cleveland having a bad game, they probably just had a bad game. Cleveland's defense is pretty pretty good. We saw – and you also have to think maybe a little bit about Justin Fields' first game a little bit differently because he looked out of his depth. He looked like he got embarrassed. We've seen the Vikings with a lot more veteran players who have been on a roll tearing up some other NFL teams to start the season, even if they haven't been successful. They pushed Arizona, the lone unbeaten team. They pushed Seattle. They pushed some of these teams. They they look like they were pretty contained. Maybe you know it's early, but maybe this speaks more to Cleveland's defense than it does to Minnesota's offense. Yeah, Cleveland's defense looked good. They put. They're able to put pressure on the quarterback, and Newsom, uh, or no, not Newsom, uh, Greedy Williams played okay. Newsom was out, right? And then uh, uh, Ward is is a really good cornerback. So it's a you know, the defense is playing good, and to be able to keep uh, Thielen to sub fifty percent, Osborne to sub fifty percent. Cook only caught two of six passes. Uh, really, I mean, Conklin caught four of six, but it was for 18 yards. It was really Justin Jefferson was the only one that was able to be productive with six for 84 and a touchdown. Um, I mean, the defensive line did good stopping the run. So Cleveland's defense is, uh, you know, kind of, I think, what a lot of people hoped Washington's would be. Yeah, they've definitely changed from the beginning of the season. I, I was a little worried about what that defense was doing. In the, I mean, granted, it was Kansas City, but they weren't impressive against the Houston Texans either. But they've really kind of turned it around the past two weeks and looked really good uh, against the Bears and now the Vikings. I will say I, I'm with you guys. I'm not worried about it. I mean, Dalvin Cook was out for a lot of this game, which some people may not have known because he was at, he put up stats early and then he came back in. And he was actually changing things for them. He came back in in the fourth quarter and like immediately snapped off like a 15-yard run and then caught a pass and got another like eight, nine yards. So he looked good, but I think that ankle injury was bothering him a lot. I think because the Browns were able to slow him down and then kind of get him out of the game, it changed things. You know, Ward stepped up, made a couple big plays, and, and so did Greedy Williams, which – you know, I'm not going to lie, I kind of feel bad. I, I said Adam Thielen was going to easily be able to score on Greedy Williams last week. Yay, Greedy Williams made a really great pick on Adam Thielen to kind of seal the game. So thank you, Greedy. Thank you for not listening to me and, 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 and doing a good job. The Giants, with probably one of the biggest wins of the weekend, beat the Saints 27-221. Matt, we saw another big game from Barkley. Is it safe to say he's finally back? Yeah, the Giants' offensive line isn't good. Um, which we've seen over and over. So his yards per carry aren't impressive, but he's looking better. It looks like he's able to carry more load. And we're seeing explosion in the passing game and heavily involved in the passing game, which I think are all good signs. Yeah. I mean, he, he averaged four yards a carry in the game against the Saints. Um, 
And what did he have? Uh, six targets, caught five of them. Barkley's starting to round into form, and that's what we expected in the preseason was he was going to start slow. If that line can start to gel and and they can get some wide receivers healthy, uh, who knows? I mean, Kadarius Tony actually looked pretty decent out there making some moves. They were getting him in space, and and he, he was doing doing some good things. It would have been nice, you know, from a, a you know Detroit Lions fan perspective to see Kenny Galladay the end zone with this good game. Uh, since it wasn't against the Lions, uh, that would have been nice to see. Now the Giants, I think, you know, biggest issue for them, I think, is going to be can they replace Blake Martinez on the defense? Because if that defense now starts to give up points, then Daniel Jones is going to start to press, and then that's when Jones starts to create his own turnovers. So uh, I like the Giants, but and they played well. I don't think – I'm not necessarily surprised that they beat the Saints because I don't think anybody's sitting around and thinking the Saints are world beaters either. Uh, I mean, after week one, everybody thought the Saints were going to the Super Bowl. I, I've, I've been hesitant. Well, you may not have, Matt, but there are a lot of people who did. I, I've been hesitant to believe the Saints were anything uh, all off season. I, I, Barkley did look good. He obviously got the rushing touchdown in overtime to seal that game. But the main thing for me has always been the receiving game because of how bad that line is. 70 yards, 74 yards in the receiving game with the 54-yard wheel route touchdown was just great. He made a, uh, made a guy miss. She showed the burst at the end of that run to get into the end zone. It was great to see, and I, I will agree, it was great to see Kenny Galladay getting a lot of uh, targets there. Seven targets, 116 yards. Of course, I didn't start him when I needed him, but the, you know, with Shepard out and uh, Slayton being out, maybe that was just what they needed to kind of force Galladay the ball, and he, he started to produce. Hopefully, that is what we see out of him moving forward. On the Saints side, Kamara dominates on the ground, but no targets. Dennis, how do we feel about the Saints offense? Am I back? You are. I, I, that That's kind of that's what the Saints offense is right there. You know, they're going to be good for a little bit, sound coherent. Uh, Kamara with 26 carries. I, my hope is what while Kamara at what 5'11 and 215 pounds has decent size, he doesn't typically carry the ball this much. And now Tony Jones has went down. They let Latavius Murray go. So you're looking at you know Ty Montgomery and uh, Dwayne Washington, unless the they bring in somebody else. My concern is that they might break Kamara. Um, well, I feel like he should be sturdy enough to handle it. I don't think uh, carrying the ball 26 times is the way to go because, like you said, it prevented him from being involved in the passing game. And really, where you want Kamara is in space. Now, what prevents him from being involved in the passing game is Jameis Winston. Uh, I'm still playing Kamara. I love Kamara. The rest of this offense is borderline trash. Uh even Drew Brees on Football Night in America has had some unflattering comments about the Saints calling them at best a work in progress. Uh, poor Ty Montgomery, they made him convert from running back back to wide receiver when they had no receivers. Now they have no running backs, and they're like, bro, we need you to play running back again. Going to get whiplash. 
Yeah, uh, it's it's, it's working for Cordero Patterson. Cordero Patterson is a special breed. You should know that by now. Yeah. And he's at least got Matt Ryan throwing him in the ball, which I think is even more of an indictment on it, Jameis Winston. The Jets pull off the upset 27-24 over the Tennessee Titans. Derrick Henry is great again, but with Jones and Brown out, the passing game struggles. Are the Titans in trouble here with receivers missing time, Matt? Yeah, I mean, they – had trouble blocking too. I think the Jets had seven sacks of Ryan Tannehill. That's uh, that's not great. But the Titans offense is built around a handful of stars who they need to have be incredibly efficient. And with both Brown and Julio Jones out, that put a lot on Henry. And Henry did his best. I mean, the guy had 157 yards rushing on 33 carries, almost five yards a clip. He's catching the ball. I mean, he had two, two receptions, but they just are lacking. Jeremy McNichols was their most targeted and best uh, receiver. I believe he's their backup running back too, which kind of just tells you where they're at. The Titans are not a kind of team that can afford big injuries and manage to come back from that. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I don't Somebody on this show say that this could be the upset special here with the Jets and Titans. I, I picked know. the Titans. So I picked the Jets I to win, so. Yeah. I guess but it's I'm you. pretty sure I'm pretty sure yes you did say that. But yeah, I picked was, the Jets to win, but I actually picked the Jets yeah. to win, so I'll be honest right. in fairness to you so, though, I did only do it because it was Felix's it's birthday Felix. gift. That's the only reason I did it. So, but hey, I'll take a win when I get it. You you don't have to qualify it now. You you got the win. Just take the yeah. win. Nah, I like to be fair. No, I mean, only because the the Jets aren't their running game isn't doing squat yet. Uh, Carter's starting to get some touches, and he's clearly the, the guy you want in that backfield. Jamison Crowder came back and, you know, seven receptions on nine targets for 61 yards. So, you know, he's doing what he does. Corey Davis got deep. You know, if they can keep gelling on that offensive line, if Makai Becton and Elijah Vera Tucker and those guys can start to, to pull it together and give Wilson – just enough time. You know, the dude's got an electric arm. So as long as he can make good decisions, they do have some, you know, I guess B-list weapons in, in Corey Davis and, and whatnot. So uh, it, it's a situation where it, it it's going to take time. The team is rebuilding. I'm happy they got a win. Yeah, I mean, that played a to... – Corey Davis was an, it was a great play. I mean, that was a great throw by Wilson. Great biting time. He even told him to go and then he started running. It was a great play altogether. It's one of the reasons why it, it was a reminder of why he was drafted second overall with what he can do. We need to see more of that moving forward. I don't know that we do though. I'm not sold that this offense is going to look quite that good. Tennessee has kind of been a sieve and, and not good uh, against the pass or the run really. So uh, I'd be hesitant to think that's going to continue for the Jets. One of the better games, at least in my opinion, this past weekend, the Chiefs beating the Eagles 42-30. to Dennis, the Chiefs' offense is great. The defense let the Eagles hang around. Do the Chiefs have a problem? With their defense? Yeah, they're built like the Peyton Manning Indianapolis Colts, putting all their money on offense, 
and hoping they can piece together a serviceable enough defense to allow their offense to outscore people. That's just, that's what Kansas city is. Um, you know, and on this day they did. I mean, we all know Mahomes is a fantastic quarterback. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, you know, they rebuilt their offensive line in this offseason. That was their focus to protect the quarterback. And Clyde Edwards Alaire, another hundred yard game on four. Fourteen carries. Plus. So it's a, you know, they're they're gonna the Chiefs are gonna do what they do. It's rare that they are held, you know, under 20 points anymore. This is just what their offense is. It's like I said, it's the Peyton Manning Colts, all O, no D. Yeah, CEH having two good games in a row just to convince everyone to put him back in their lineup so he can screw them again. Um, I I think that defense could end up, you know, we talked about this with the Titans last year who had a pretty good offense and, and seemed to be winning a lot of games and looked like they were tracking toward the playoffs. But the feeling was the defense was bad enough and let enough plays in that it was going to be a liability in the playoffs. In the past, the Chiefs defense hasn't been incredible, but they've made plays. They've held teams down. I expected come, you know, after a one and two start that the Chiefs were going to come out and destroy Philadelphia. And they didn't do very well against this Eagles offense, which we saw got taken apart by an upstart Dallas defense on Monday night, got throttled by a San Francisco defense that doesn't really have a secondary. There are some high-priced players on that Chiefs defense that need to act like it. Yeah, I mean, I guess when you've got Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and Kelsey, you just assume that you can win everything, and it hasn't necessarily worked out for them so much this year. We'll see if they can turn it around, but the Chiefs look more beatable now than they have the past couple seasons. going to make for an interesting season for them. Matt, what are we doing with Miles Sanders? Yeah, you can't feel that great about him. Coming off a game against the Cowboys where I think he only got two carries. He got seven carries on Sunday, uh, but for a measly 13 yards. uh, He's caught a couple of passes. He is still getting some targets, but that's, that's not enough. People were hopeful that Miles Sanders, uh, you know, was going to be a bankable RB2, possibly RB1 upside. We have not seen anything close to that. I mean, I don't know. I don't feel like Sanders with seven carries, while more than three times as many as he had last week, uh, is much, that's better. He, he's got, you got to get him 15 touches, I think. I, I, I think that's, that's the type of back that he is. He needs to have the volume and the repetition. Uh, you know, not everybody is uh, Cordero Patterson when it comes to efficiency. Uh, or, all right, nobody is Cordero Patterson when it comes to efficiency. So volume is key. I mean, they're not – they didn't give – Hurts let him in rushing attempts. Yeah, I know Hurts is a rushing quarterback. But Hertz also threw the ball 48 times. This was a function of Kansas City getting out to a lead and the Eagles having to keep playing catch up. So he was game scripted out to an extent. 
But they're also choosing to put in Kenny Gainwell at when, the goal line when, too. when they're down. Yeah. You know, he was more efficient on his carries, but he had eight targets to Sanders yeah. three and caught six passes for fifty-eight. That to me would be a touch concerning the same way that we were a little worried when we were seeing McKissick get so much run against Antonio Gibson. You have a guy in Miles Sanders who should be capable of being a three down back during the five to 10 games a season he's available and he's getting displaced by Gainwell. That, that gives me a little bit of pause. Well, but they did it last year with Boston Scott. So they, their philosophy with Sanders has always been, he's going to, he's going to be the minority back in the passing game. Um, for it, it, we, it sucks for us because we feel like he can handle it. We watched him at Penn State, at, which you know it's not like he's playing in the MEAC conference. So we feel like he could handle 15 carries and six targets uh, as as fans. But the fact of the matter is that their plan has always been to have another running back soak up a bunch of the receptions. In a game like this where they're passing a lot, Hurts throw the ball. I mean, I don't think – I think if you talk to Nick Sirianni, uh, I don't think there's any situation where he's like, oh, yeah, I can't wait to have Jalen Hurts throw the ball 48 times. I'm still worried about them because they seem to there. I don't see many games where they're going to be up. They're likely going to be behind a lot. And if they're going to, if they're more willing to use Kenny Gainwell in the passing game, that's still going to limit what Miles Sanders can do. So I think he's got to be downgraded some. I thought with, you know, Jalen Hurts being the quarterback, he was going to get some run. It was going to help him in the running game. We just haven't seen enough of that. I, I think he's almost got to be downgraded to an RB3 now. I, I don't see I, – I don't even see him really having RB2 upside with the run that, that Gainwell is getting. Someone picked the Cardinals to win. I don't remember who it was, but I'm pretty sure two people picked the Rams, and then someone picked the fighting Kyler Murray's. It sucks because I really think he's probably the MVP favorite now, and I really need my guy Justin Herbert to win it. But the Cardinals won 37-20. It was a big win for them, Matt. They're the only 4-0 and team. Yep. How impressed are we with this offense? I've been pretty impressed with their team all the way around. I, th- I think they've had had a good start to the season. It was a very convincing. You don't go into LA and put up a 17 point win on an undefeated team and have you not come away giving them a little bit of props from a fantasy perspective. You're probably starting a ton of players out of their lineup because uh, some ones of them are going to hit every week, but they are blessed with an embarrassment of riches, both a couple of running backs and they're four deep at receiver plus the tight end plus Kyler Murray. Murray is pretty much always going to be bankable. You're probably starting all those guys and some weeks you're going to be thrilled and some weeks you're going to be less thrilled. Some weeks it's Kirk with one for one for five yards. I mean, my question is this. Is there any of us that feel like Max Williams is a better receiving tight end than Dan Arnold? I mean, Uh, I guess we just all assume. I I mean, clearly Kingsbury does. Well, I don't know. Arnold was having this kind of success down the stretch uh, for the Cardinals as well. I think they just didn't want to pay him what Carolina was going to pay him, and now Jacksonville is paying him. (laughs) Well, but, I mean, Arnold was in the desert for a couple years. I mean, for a while there, they just wouldn't even throw to the tight end. 
Yeah, but I, I think it's taken like three years for Cliff Kingsbury to realize that tight ends exist on a roster with the way he's right. using them this year. Like, I think that's the the transition he saw, he from saw the D and thought it was. It's yeah, he thought it was an, like a, a tackle on the offensive side. Like he, he he was trying. Yeah, he thought it was another tackle. He was like, oh, you know, that transition from college to NFL. He's finally realized, oh, there is such thing as a tight end on an NFL roster. I think that's that's the issue there. Te, that's not tackle extra. No, no, no. <laughs> In college, it is not in the NFL. It matters. Now, nice. I, I think as far as you know, they're they've impressed me. Um, I didn't think they were going to be very good. Uh, I haven't been sold on Kingsbury's offense, and it's a situation where uh, they're outperforming uh, what I expected. So, yeah, they, we should be impressed with them. I agree. Sorry. You've Stafford. always been impressed with him. I have. I mean, he's my QB1. I've been talking about how much I love uh, love Murray, love Cliff Kingsbury since the hire, and it's finally where – I mean, I had him to make the playoffs last year. It's it's all coming together. Finally, again, you know, I've said, really, I'm a genius, and I won't be appreciated till long after my time. And everything's coming together. It's just the year of Matt Bruning, and now I'm about to get everything wrong moving forward now that I've said that out loud. Matt Stafford looks mortal at home as they lose by 17 points. But, Dennis, what are we taking away from Van Jefferson's performance? He was really good in week one and now really good in week four. Is he forcing his way into our lineups? Well, he's the he's the third wide receiver on that team. And we have known that. We all expected he'd be the Rams wide receiver three. What we take away is that Matt Stafford throws the ball to the open guy. Van Jefferson got open this week. You know, the big game he had in week one was a function of that fluke play where the defensive backs fell down and he scored the long touchdown. Um, Jefferson is a good route runner. I think he's going to have a nice career. I don't think he's got a huge ceiling uh, to expect six for 90 and one on a regular basis. You know, I feel like he's more, you know, he's somewhere between Jamison Crowder and Cole Beasley somewhere in there. He'll have some big games. He'll be reliable. He doesn't drop the ball. He's going to get open. Um, and typically, you know, he's probably going to be more of a, you know, a 9 to 12 yards per catch than a 15 yards per catch guy. I think what I'm taking away is through four weeks, what we're seeing is a trend. There's Cooper Cup. And then there's everybody else. Uh, you know, Cup got 13 targets, didn't have his most successful game yesterday, but they had four other receivers that all got the same six targets Van Jefferson, Robert Woods, Tyler Higby, and Darrell Henderson. I, he is throwing it to whoever's open. They're using all of their weapons. It's a little bit different. It seemed like in years past, it was Cup and Woods, and then maybe you get somebody else now it seems like cup is clearly the one and if you have one of these guys you have a chance so for dynasty i think that gives him a little bit more value because you're seeing him potentially ha have a role we've seen younger players it takes a little while to get ingratiated in this offense so i, I was encouraged and i think but I, he's probably a little more than a deep league flex at this point 
Yeah, if, if he continues to put up those points, I'm willing to move him up at this point. I'm with you guys. Unless he's unless it's a deep flex play, I'm not putting him in my lineups. The Seahawks beat the 49ers 28-21. to Dennis, Chris Carson has always been your guy. Should we be worried about him? Um, you know, if uh, if he's not producing, they're going to put Alex Collins in. And I don't know, 10 for 44, it wasn't like he, he was – burning down the house. Collins has shown himself to be a solid back and Pete will play the hot hand. Uh, he always has. It's just usually Carson is the guy with the hot hand. Yeah. I mean, Carson, we were expecting to have a, a easy breezy RB two season and he hasn't had that kind of success this year. So that is a little troubling for me. Yeah. Hopefully he can turn it around. This, this Seattle offense has just kind of been weird to kick off the season. Maybe that's a, that's a part of that as well. Jimmy G gets hurt and Trey Lance comes in. Matt, what did you see from Lance? You know, I think he's a raw prospect. They, they showed he had a lot of missed throws, but he had a couple of big touchdown plays. He kept a minute. Um, we, we knew he was going to be a raw prospect. The question is really, Jimmy G has struggled to stay on the field. He's only started 29 of, I think, a possible 60 games since he took over as quarterback there. They got Trey Lance because they were worried about him missing time, and I think it looks like we're going to get a chance to see him develop. Yeah, I I want to see Lance uh, get in there and, and do well, like I do Fields and all these other young guys that uh, bring a lot to the table. Uh, I think I'm more concerned with what's going on with Brandon Ayuk than I am with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Man, I didn't think I'd be the one on the opposite side of you guys, especially since I thought I'd say I, I thought I said I thought Lance would start eventually. Uh, he looked good on a couple plays, but I, I agree. I think he's really raw. If you've got Debo, Kittle, Ayuk, I think you really want Jimmy G to be healthy and coming back and starting for fantasy because I'm not sure. Like Lance is going to give you some big plays, but for consistency, I'm I'm worried he's going to be able to do it for him. I, I'm really hoping that Jimmy G is not going to be out for a while. The Packers beat the Steelers 27-17. The Steelers struggle again, but Deontay Johnson and uh, – Najee Harris are solid for the Steelers. Matt, are the Steelers already playing themselves out of the playoff race? Yeah, somebody on, I think it was NFL radio this morning, said we may end up looking back at that Steelers win over the Bills the same way we looked at the Jaguars win over the Colts week one of 2020. And that is a stirring indictment of the Steelers. They have never finished below 500 with Mike Tomlin as a coach, but it's hard to feel good about them getting to a nine-win season right now. Yeah, I I don't think I expected much out of the Steelers this year. You know, and Ben, uh, I, at some point, I think Tomlin's got to say, I just need to give Rudolph or Haskins a little play here and see what happens. Ben, Ben's looking rough. I would not be surprised if we don't see Dwayne Haskins at one point. I mean, there was a video of Juju saying – the, this offense is uh, Ben's fault or something like that. I mean, he's he's clearly a big issue with this offense right now. Not that I think Dwayne Haskins is going to be much better because I do think a major part of this is also on the offensive line as well. But the Steelers are in rough shape. The Packers cruise to a win here. Dennis, do you believe Randall Cobb might be a thing with Alan Lazard doing nothing and MVS now on IR? 
I mean, somebody's got to be a thing, um, but I think it could just as easily be Lazard next week or it could be Tanya next week. Um, I, I think the one thing that MVS does differently than all the others is he's a four, three change guy. He's a he's the big, fast dude who gets down the field. Uh, and I think that sort of ensures what his role is. Um, Lazard and Cobb, neither one of them have that kind of speed. Uh, so I, I, if I'm starting Cobb next week, it's, you know, plug and pray. That's, it's just plug and plug and pray, plug and pray. When they reacquired Cobb, it seemed like it was a move to, you know, mend fences with Aaron Rodgers. They have history before, so I wouldn't be surprised if he starts getting things, but I don't, you know, I think it's Jones, it's Adams, it's Rodgers, and then, it's scraps. Yeah. If, if I'm playing Cobb, it's strictly as a like wide receiver three upside play. I, I don't think that he's going to produce the way he did. Uh, I would be surprised if he does it like two more times this season. It, it's, it's definitely more Adams and Jones, but I, I wouldn't be against throwing him in some deep flex lineups. The Ravens beat your Broncos, Matt, 23 to 17. Dennis Tyson Williams was a healthy scratch. Is he droppable now in redraft? Well, I was just here looking. I wanted to find the the message here in our, our chat from Matt Stradamus. Uh, we were talking about that in the chat, and Matt was like, oh, watch watch Tyson Williams. I'm like, what? And no, I, I feel like I I feel like Williams is the most talented at this point in their careers, and he should be in there. For some reason, Jim Harbaugh wants to use, you know, the wily old veterans. So I, I don't know. I is he droppable in redraft? Maybe. It depends on what your options are. Who are you dropping him for? Yeah, I don't think he's a must-hold in redraft. When they activated Le'Veon Bell finally from the practice squad, I had a feeling that they were going this way. For some reason, they love Devonta Freeman almost as much as his own mother. Uh, and then they're happy with I, – I thought Davius Murray was going to end up leading them on the ground at the end of the season, and it seems like the way they were playing yesterday that they are content to go that way as well. I mean, yeah, I'm not – go ahead. It, say, it looks like they're happy to have Lamar Jackson average seven yards a carry and then everybody else at three yards a carry or 2.5 yards because other than Will Williams, that's kind of where the rest of the guys are at. Yeah, I'm, I'm not dropping him just yet. I wonder if they played Latavius Murray because he's just more of a bruising back than Tyson Williams is, and I think you needed that going up against Denver with as good as that defense is. So I, I want to see what happens with Williams moving forward. I'm not dropping him yet, but he's getting close because he didn't do anything the week before. And then obviously a healthy scratch is not what you want to see out of him this week. Matt Broncos, uh, as I mentioned, lose this game. Bridgewater goes into a concussion. So Drew Locke plays. What are we expecting from Denver if Teddy ends up missing more time? So the Broncos are at the Steelers uh, this week. Well, you know, uh, Locke's one interception was at the end of the game in garbage time when he had to try to force the ball into the end zone. <coughs> Excuse me. Denver's biggest problem is they have a ton of injuries that are now also coming on the line. They're missing both their starting guards, which is part of the reason that uh, 
they had injuries and Bridgewater got lit up. Hopefully they can get those guys healthy, but um, their offense did not look good yesterday. Yeah, it's uh, I, I think that's going to be the struggle with Denver this year is the offense taking on all those injuries. At some point, even the deepest teams start to succumb to injuries if, if you get enough of them. Uh, I would have liked to have seen more production out of Sutton, but that's because I'm a big Sutton fan. I don't know. Uh, you know, Drew Locke, 12 for 21, decent completion percentage. That interception, he was trying to get it to Sutton. that just yeah. couldn't, couldn't make it happen. I, I think if Locke plays, things will be fine. I mean, he likely didn't get much practice at all with the ones this week because Teddy Bridgewater was the guy. Then you're going up against a defense like Baltimore just getting thrown out there. I, I don't think that Locke looked that bad, to be honest with you, against that defense. So I think if we know Teddy is going to miss time, that means Locke is going to get practice with all these guys. They're going to get back into a groove. I still think Locke is a very good quarterback. I'm, I'm really not worried about it. If if Teddy misses time, I think Locke's going to be just fine next week going up against Pittsburgh. It's going to be another good game. They played Baltimore really well. I, I honestly don't even think 23-7 to is indicative of the score. It, it was a very close game for a long time, and I think they'll be able to keep it close with Pittsburgh as well the tampa bay buccaneers hold on to beat the patriots 19 to 17 in foxborough it was a quiet game for brady but leonard fournette carried the offense matt is he looking like a safe starting back a starting running back for you moving forward yeah i mean no one ran the ball well for tampa bay the week before but they gave fournette 20 carries he got 91 yards he uh got three catches for 47 he looks like he is a good fit for that system and sadly for all of us who had hope for ronald jones fournette looks like the better option by far i don't know some dumbass called uh fournette jones's handcuff in the offseason i don't know who that idiot is all of us (laughs) you know I could just as easily, though, see uh, Arians giving Jones 20 carries in a game. And and that's that's the trouble is that Jones is explosive. And if Jones goes in for a series and he looks explosive and he's dominating, Arians might go with him. I, I think that I'm going to be okay going forward starting Fournette as a low-end RB2 uh, and mostly because I'm afraid of Arians. He definitely got RB1 upside, uh, but he ha- he has, with, with Geo going out, Fournette gets the passing game work. Uh, as long as they are in a game plan where they're going to run the ball, it's going to work out for Fournette managers. But if they get in a situation where all of a sudden Brady's decided, hey, I'm going to throw the ball 70 times, even if it's three yards, and it could be screwy. Yeah, Fournette. Fournette's clearly the guy that I'm trusting. I, I wouldn't. I'm. I'd even be cautious to say RB two. I think he's probably more of like an RB three. But he he seems like the safe guy to play. And with as bad as running back has looked at times this year, I, I I think he's a pretty safe option to throw in there. Matt, the Patriots come up short, but Mac Jones looks good. Is he developing into a solid starter? And he, is he in a rookie of the year conversation? 
Yeah, this was a celebrated class of rookie quarterbacks, and we had three who have been starters from day one. I think he's looked the most consistent and played the best of, you know, Lawrence, Wilson, and himself. The biggest competition for offensive rookie of the year is probably not at quarterback. It's either Najee Harris, who's helping carry the Steelers, or Jamar Chase, who has looked on fire out there at receiver. But right now, if, if you were hand, hand, handicapping, those would be my top three. Yeah, I mean, I think the difference is that New England has said we're not gonna we're we're not gonna necessarily put games on your shoulders and expect you to win them. I think in Jacksonville they're doing that with Trevor, and New New York they're doing that with, with Zach Wilson. Um, I think in Chicago they're they're gonna try to limit the exposure for Fields, and in San Francisco they'll use the run game and limit the exposure there. So I think as long as Mac, you know, Mac played plays well. He's a heady player. The only reason I think everybody had him at rookie QB five was because everybody else is a running quarterback. But most people had him at five just because he doesn't have the rushing floor that the other four quarterbacks have. Yeah, he was my QB4. I had him above Zach Wilson because I, I don't necessarily believe that Zach Wilson is going to pan out as a NFL quarterback. Uh, I, I agree with you guys that they don't, they're not putting a lot on him. And I think a lot of that is because of the defense. I think that's why, I think in all honesty, that, that, that's how they should handle Justin Fields because that Bears defense is so good. I think Bill is relying on that. And I also think it's fair to say Bill Belichick probably has the most job security out of all those guys with rookie quarterbacks right now as well. So he can kind of do whatever he wants, but Mac's really been good. I think if you were asking for rookie of the year right now, it would have to be Najee Harris. Cause even though he is not, he's still produced every single week with that, that offensive line has been horrible. And then two has probably got to be Jamar chase right now, but uh, Mac Jones, I think definitely deserves to be in the conversation. So that will do it for us today. Matt and myself will be back tomorrow to recap the fighting Justin Herberts against the Las Vegas Raiders on Monday Night Football. And we'll give you guys our waiver wire picks as well. Enjoy the Monday Night Football game, which should be kicking off here any minute. And we will talk to you guys again tomorrow. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. If you got your popcorn ready. I came out the wall line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with him.